Welcome to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Pat Flanders, the Chief Information Officer of the Defense Health Agency, and Tom Hines, DHA's Director of Engineering and Technology Transformation. To begin the conversation, I asked Flanders to give an update on DHA's efforts to modernize and consolidate its health IT networks. The DHA is in the process of collapsing multiple legacy military department medical networks used by all our hospitals and clinics into a single modern network called the Medical Community of Interest, or MedCoy. This is a huge endeavor involving some 240,000 users and systems and devices worldwide. This new network is really the key enabler of many things for us. First, it enables a single security context across the enterprise. We're standardizing our virtual uh, local area networks at at each location into a new 13-zone architecture. Each of these zones is designed for a different level of security to segment the traffic. Since we'll have that same design at each facility, it's going to allow inheritance of security controls, uh, reduce variance in configuration, and really is going to greatly reduce the time to complete our risk management framework processes for each enclave and the associated systems. So I think the way that we implement RMF is a bit different than how commercial industry conducts risk reviews of systems and devices. We have really fully adopted RMF with select commercial sector businesses and specifically medical device and system manufacturers following suit. So we take this process very, very seriously and don't allow things on our network until they're formally evaluated, risks are mitigated, and based on any residual risk left over, we grant the systems an authority to operate or an ATO. In conjunction with a migration to the MedCoy from these legacy networks, we're implementing a program called Desktop to Data Center. That program is standardizing the delivery of enterprise services on top of the new network. So things like Active Directory, on-premise infrastructure, network management services, standard desktop systems and applications, and standard endpoint protections. So it's all about standardization. All of that is then monitored by a 24 by 7 cybersecurity service provider that defends the network and a 24 by 7 cybersecurity operations center that coordinates task orders, mission orders, between um, United States Cyber Command and Joint Force Headquarters, DODEN. That's the organization uh, for the DOD that defends our DOD networks. And, of course, the United States Computer Emergency Response Team, the U.S. CERT, and all of our subordinate organizations. In terms of recent trends, we're seeing an increasing level of threat and an ever-increasing number and rate of attacks. This is because we're both a large healthcare system the only worldwide system, I think, and because we're also part of the DOD. In that context, consider that nearly every device that we do use is also used by commercial industry, so the vulnerabilities are well known by our adversaries, and this is why we have to take so many precautions and field an infrastructure specifically designed to manage these risks. With the the topic of recent trends in mind, certainly we've seen a lot of headlines these days about threats like ransomware, What solutions are you guys seeing at DHA in mitigating those threats? Part of that is our advanced forensics capability that allows us to analyze attacks and the effect on a device or system. And to some extent, and sometimes to a great extent, allows us to reverse engineer those attacks, sometimes referred to in the industry as the cyber kill chain. 
so that when those any attack that looks like that or a variant of that attack, and of course, typically speaking, any advanced attacks is always a variant of the prior attack that they launched, we have the capability to map that into our systems to then detect something that looked like the last thing that occurred and also stop it from affecting our devices. In addition to that, our security device vendors, software and hardware vendors, have their own sources of intelligence, as does JFQ Doton, the organization we mentioned earlier. And we have the ability to combine all that information to a massive knowledge base, which then informs how our CSSP, or cybersecurity service provider, is able to, again, sort of turn up the gain on our sensor grid to detect these things before they have any impact on our systems. What I want to add to that, though, is that as, as complex as that sounds, your best and first defense against things like malware, any malware and ransomware, is of course to keep patching and patch again and patch again, and do that on a very timely basis. To help in that area, we've implemented a new tool called Tanium, something that we're using and is being used broadly across the Department of Defense, so that in seconds we can run queries against the entire network, get detailed statistics about the compliance of information systems, the vulnerabilities that are resident on those systems, and then can target individual systems or all systems in the enterprise and complete updates uh, in really a matter of seconds. That, in a nutshell, is our strategy. There's certainly been an increased use and adoption of electronic records in healthcare, both inside and outside of the government. What are not just the opportunities of using this technology, but also the challenges? We in the Department of Defense are adopting the Cerner Millennium Electronic Healthcare Record. We're in the process of that right now. Our implementation is called the Military Health System Genesis, or we call it MHS Genesis for short. It's replacing a multitude of distributed instances of on-premise legacy health record systems. That's hundreds of instances. And so it's really this legacy environment that's the real challenge. These legacy systems reside in locations across the globe in treatment facility-operated data enclaves that heretofore have been operated through separate chains of command, separate cybersecurity policies, separate cybersecurity authorization officials on separate networks, separate active directories, the list goes on. So if you understand the real challenge, the opportunity and benefits of MHS Genesis become more obvious. I think most obvious is the opportunity for consolidation of uh, legacy infrastructure and systems and the associated cost. We have a long list of systems that will be shut off and others that are going to be gradually sunset. Knowing that means we either have stopped all new work on those systems or put them in kind of a new development moratorium, which allows us to then shift resources and focus on other tasks more aligned with the future state vision. Less obvious but far more important is the benefit and improved capability provided to both our medical professionals and patients. If you think about it, uh, with our disparate legacy systems moving records around between those instances and different facilities, particularly between the Army, the Navy, and Air Force separate facilities, is not much different than what you'd experience in the civilian sector. And until recently, they weren't even on the same network, so we couldn't communicate electronically efficiently. And so this is why we're doing all these things at the same time. We're, We're upgrading the network the desktop, the data center initiative for the things that ride the network and provide services, and then finally with Genesis sitting on top. At the end of the day, it's it's all about our patients and the delivery of the benefit to them. On the challenges side of things, I imagine with more of this being digital and more of this being online, I guess another way to look at it, though, is is just an increased uh, attack surface for cyber threats. 
so the legacy system is exactly that. With the separate, separate, separate things that I described, that is the big attack surface. And then with the separate processes from separate chains of commands, that makes it even harder to integrate. When we go to a single network with single standardized equipment and processes, that greatly reduces attack surface because we have less variance in the types of devices. When we're using more of the same types of devices, it's easier to secure them. And then Genesis will have, essentially, we'll be using the same record every place in the DoD. And so if I am seen at a hospital at Fort Bragg, and I then move to the D.C. area, and I'm seen at Walter Reed, you're seeing the exact same system, the exact same data, the exact same record. My guests today are Pat Flanders, the Chief Information Officer of the Defense Health Agency, and Tom Hines, DHA's Director of Engineering and Technology Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, on the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. My guests today are Pat Flanders, the Chief Information Officer of the Defense Health Agency, and Tom Hines, DHA's Director of Engineering and Technology Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman. You had said earlier in the conversation about just how you guys are seeing an increase in just the volume of threats, acknowledging that you guys as an agency are a very large repository of, of healthcare records and information. What are some new steps that DHA is doing to better secure that health IT data? As we've already essentially outlined, we have a fairly sophisticated capability, processes and tools and continuous monitoring to protect us from from intrusions to our network or to our systems. We also enforce data at rest and in transit on our systems and network. And in fact, outside of a few large service providers like Verizon and AT&T, so when I say service providers, not health service providers, but communications providers, the military health system has operated one of the biggest VPN networks worldwide that includes extensions to our network business and mission partners, as well as to the Veterans Administration. And that extension to the Veterans Administration actually dates back as far as 2005, when we established a joint set of gateways between the two agencies to securely transfer patient information, uh, because we do have a joint uh, patient population uh, that we manage with the VA. I think really the biggest risk that PII and PHI loss isn't really from our formal systems of record that we use to provide healthcare, but it really comes from three other places. One is the accidental sharing of information by providers or hospital staff who are trying to help patients by interfacing with their counterparts in the commercial sector by means that may not be authorized. It's very well intended relative to providing better patient care. Uh, but we don't necessarily have the flexibility in our systems to support all the things the providers would like to do. And part of our adoption of the new electronic health record is addressing what I would call some of those deficiencies and therefore some of those risks. We also have facilities which get sometimes very innovative by trying to implement new products, again, with the intent of providing better services to their patients. And what the agency is doing is essentially capturing information from those facilities, capturing those good ideas, evaluating those to determine whether that constitutes a best practice, and if so, then fully adopting that and putting that through our standard processes 
such as the risk management framework we discussed before. The third area where we can have issues are in, involve breaches of our health service business partner networks or their subcontractor networks or systems. And of course, this is a problem not only in healthcare, but of course, many other domains. Things like loss of intellectual property and manufacturing through their own provider or supplier networks, sometimes referred to as supply chain risk. And so, of course, healthcare suffers from that, but so does all of industry. Another way we're looking at addressing this problem is through some implementation of technology, which is pretty common in the civilian sector, like Office 365, because that will provide a better and more secure tool for collaboration across agencies and even with our commercial sector partners. Once in the cloud, policy enforcement using automated tools will assist in managing how data is used, accessed, and exchanged by whom and with whom, a process sometimes referred to as digital rights management. In addition, the DOD and VA, working with the Office of the National Coordinator, which is based in the White House, have been leaders in building networks with our community care and managed care providers via a system known as the National Health Information Exchange. Uh, you may see it uh, also referred to as eHealth Exchange. It goes by various names. The DHA has just recently increased the number of participating providers and provider networks to over 60, and the VA recently announced that their number has now increased to over 100. One last facet of this, which is important to talk about, is contracting. And back to those uh, business partner and mission partner relationships, we're really attempting to consolidate a lot of those contracts and the clauses in those contracts for those health services. A good example might be teleradiology services. The DHA does not have a sufficient number of radiologists, and so we put some of that reading service into the commercial sector. And we have various contracts, again, with various facilities, which were, again, under the Army, Navy, and Air Force, not consolidated. And those did not have consistent terms and conditions around how they secure that information. We're now bringing that together under the DHA so that we have not only common contracts, but common clauses in those contracts to protect that information wherever it is it is sent or subsequently used. And finally, the DOD, uh, coming down from the Pentagon, is implementing a new program called Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, or CMMC. That's intended to create a solid framework for the implementation of best practices in this area across the entire department, but with particular emphasis on areas where we are exchanging DOD-sensitive data with the private sector. How have insider threats, or how disruptive, rather, have insider threats been in this health IT space? And what steps have DHA and its partners taken to mitigate these insider threats? Insider threat's a bit of a sensitive topic. We do have insider threat tools and processes on our network, and they're operated by our 24 by 7 cybersecurity service provider, people, again, who defend our network. Although it's not classified, we don't like to talk about our methods because then people might try to circumvent them. We do catch a few people per month. It ranges from things like fraud to, in at least one case, intervention to help a person who is a suicide risk. I think tightly controlled access is also a key. For example, any user connecting to sensitive information has to have domain credentials. And to ensure the user is really who they claim, we enforce two-factor authentication using what we call uh, the DOD Controlled Access Card, CAC which is tied to a unique person identity and certificates issued to each person and stored on the card. We also have mandatory annual cyber awareness training, and that's required in order for users to retain network access. If you don't get your, take your training every year, we basically kick you off the network. This course includes training on the identification of potential insider threats and social engineering tactics, phishing, things like that. 
My guests today are Pat Flanders, the Chief Information Officer at the Defense Health Agency, and Tom Hines, DHA's Director of Engineering and Technology Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, on the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. My guests today are Pat Flanders, the Chief Information Officer of the Defense Health Agency, and Tom Hines, DHA's Director of Engineering and Technology Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman. Another thing we've seen more and more of are Internet of Things connected or enabled medical devices. What are the opportunities of using this technology? And then separately, what are the challenges to using this technology as well? This goes back to our formal process for granting an authority to operate. We don't let devices on our network until they achieve that formal level of risk analysis and mitigation. And this gets us in trouble sometimes with vendors because they can't actually get completely paid for procurement until the item's granted in ATO and in production. And that can take many months. Over the last 12 months, we spent quite a bit of time working with industry to explain the process to help them help us get it done as quickly as possible. We've also implemented a streamlined process known as assess and incorporate. This reduces the level of effort to get an authorization by sometimes up to as much as 80%. The incorporate part of it refers to the incorporation into one of our predefined zones, one of those 13 VLANs that I talked about earlier, which itself is based on device type and classification, finally the zone. And so by putting them in those zones, we can accredit once for the enterprise and then reuse that at all the other locations. In addition to technical controls and procedures, we're implementing a suite of technologies intended to meet uh, the department's uh, mandated implementation of something called Comply to Connect. Uh, And so to keep it simple, basically Comply to Connect means whatever is being connected, you have to know who and what is trying to connect, and also are you a safe thing to connect. It's a pretty complex solution using multiple technologies. We really break down the solution into two major pieces, and one is our approach to what we would refer to as managed devices. These are conventional information systems. And then unmanaged devices, or what we've referred to in this question as IoT. For the managed devices and traditional systems whose identity is easy to determine, a part of our solution is based on Cisco's Identity Services Engine, or ICE, which is pronounced like ICE as an ICE cube, so it's ISE. ISE also uses Tanium, to determine if a system is safe by checking if it's up to date, and if not, can patch it then in real time before it connects to the network, or if we can't stop it from connecting to the network because it's a mission-critical system, it can be placed in quarantine based on an access control policy specific to the level of vulnerability associated with that that network system. In the case of unmanaged devices or, or classical, what you might call classical IoT, which in our world is predominantly made up of medical devices and also facility-related control systems, think like a refrigerator with a digital monitor. One product we use is called Armis. 
Uh, unlike ICE, which is dependent on a known device profile based on standard markers like operating system, machine name, or middleware, ARMIS is entirely agentless and determines a device's identity simply by its behavior, both how it communicates to itself, how it communicates to other devices, and to some extent what it communicates to those other devices. This information is then compared to what is normal for that device and type right down to the model number. The real power of this technology is that it takes this data, compares it to all similar devices of the same type on your network, and also compares this behavioral profile with other devices across their entire customer base. So it's a monstrous knowledge base, if you might think of it with millions of devices, some of which are consistent with the ones that you yourself have. The engine or brain, which, which will live, in our case, in a private cloud instance in AWS, runs a machine learning algorithm which gets smarter and more accurate as it receives more information on individual devices, their interaction, and the network itself. How this all integrates with the Comply to Connect solution is a little complex, but essentially a good or normal device gets a ticket that says it can join the network. An abnormal device also gets a ticket, but with a risk value, and dependent on that value, may be added to the network, but with restrictions, or if bad enough, quarantined as we discussed before. All of this generates alerts which are routed to dashboards for use by our cyber defenders uh, that, of course, operate 24-7. And if a device behavior goes from normal to abnormal, for example, if a fusion pump now appears to be behaving like a Bluetooth-enabled media stick, action can be taken immediately to restrict that device's access and prevent it from affecting the rest of the network. Circling back to something we touched on, Pat, you had mentioned supply chain management and the security of that supply chain. Drilling a little bit deeper, how is DHA, how are they more effectively managing that supply chain and the vulnerabilities that are baked into devices? We evaluate products as part of the formal RMF process and issuance of an ATO. So we're back to that process. It's so critical and it's very intensive and thorough. There are cases where we purchased products that we just couldn't connect. So we use them, but only in a standalone capacity, no network connectivity allowed. I think the more important, quote, supply chain issue isn't about the one that you know, delivers the hardware and devices, but it's the supply chain for the data and that data and the trading partners with respect to how they handle that data. And I think that's the national problem. And it's not just a DOD problem. And so the CMMC process that we discussed earlier has great potential. We're not a pilot, but eventually we'll see how that changes. I believe they're on version six right now. So final question here, you know, certainly none of this, you know, happens in a vacuum. There are certainly, uh, you know, partnerships within the DoD community, but how do you see public-private partnerships as an effective way to manage threats in health IT? It's important for us to effectively partner with industry to fulfill our mission. We regularly host industry days to share information on upcoming contracting opportunities with our commercial partners. The requirements that we share at those industry days provide vendors with the information they need to propose potential solutions and cybersecurity is always prevalent in those discussions. On top of that, I meet regularly with the Medical Imaging and Technology Alliance Industry Group, so that's MEDA, to proactively address issues and concerns of medical device manufacturers related to meeting cyber requirements. And one other area we're investigating with the help of MITRE Corporation is a public-private partnership where vendors could, now that we have a standard zone architecture being fielded at all the facilities, take action to receive an ATO, an authority to operate for my network in a certain zone pre-sale. And so that idea is that if you were pre-qualified for an ATO before the sale, it would be favorably considered in the procurement process and really decrease that time 
for the facilities to be able to use the product and for the vendors to get completely paid. So that's an investigation at this point, but I think it has promise. I'd like to thank today's guests, Pat Flanders, the Chief Information Officer of the Defense Health Agency, and Tom Hines, DHA's Director of Engineering and Technology Transformation. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Recorded Future. Thank you for listening to the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network.